You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Pirates Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, November 4th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with my work at Just Baseball, at least my baseball work at JustBaseball.com, where I wrote about the biggest questions for the Padres offseason. You could go check that out if you'd like. We're going to be talking about it on today's episode. But you can follow me at Javapeno, at J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and then at L-O underscore Padres for all Padres stuff and what have you. Because that's what you're listening for, right? So if you want that, go check that out. Today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And I, I imagine Bet Online will come up in the future, right? Because we're going to be doing predictions at some point. We got to talk about the offseason. Guys, the Padres may be eliminated, but that does not mean they are eliminated from our hearts, right? It's all I think about, really. It really is. It's, 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 it's important stuff to think about the Padres offseason. And just recently, over at JustBaseball.com, I will include a link in the podcast description and the YouTube description, wherever you want to see me, uh, to the written form of it. But we're going to be talking about it today. It went live a couple days ago. And I basically broke down my Padres offseason outlook into five questions. And those five questions are done in a way that is, in my opinion, extremely smug, extremely just full of itself. You know what I mean? That's, that's my style of writing. And I wrote about just all the different areas that I think the Padres need to focus on this offseason. These aren't necessarily predictions or even players specifically that I think the Padres need to go after, whether it be trade or a signing, but just the general work frame for this offseason for the Padres. And I think that, first thing and foremost, it was a really successful season. I mean, this is a season that started with, and believe me, we're going to talk about the goober, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. being... Um, you know, out four months with his wrist surgery, had all that drama. People might forget Blake Snell and Mike Clevenger landing on the IL to start the season. You have the Robert Suarez blown save. Like, it, it was a very inauspicious start for the Padres, right? And then they end up trading for Soto. Then they end up having Bell and Drury. You have some stuff there. Hassan Kim becomes this, like, folk hero for the team. Jorge Alfaro becomes a folk hero for the team. So... It is important to say, before we get into projecting and whatnot, that you never know what the heck is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Heck, A.J. Preller probably doesn't even know what's going to happen just yet, right? He's got a lot of work to do. So let's talk about these five questions, though. And let's start with one that I think is... It's, it's because I think every fan base likes to do this. They like to say, oh, our players get worse and then they're great somewhere else, right? But I think it's gone from a meme with the Padres to genuinely being like, what is going on here? First question that I have for the Padres offseason is, why do batteries get worse with them? And I know what you might be thinking. They have some good off- offensive players. You've got Manny Machado. You have the goober when he's, you know, not being a goober. You have him, and then you have Juan Soto now, and you have all these guys. But I do think that it is worth looking at, all right? You can talk about Trent Grisham all day, right? Trent Grisham has been just, you know... <laughs> not great the fact that he went to the Padres and at first was an improvement the rare the rarity 
for the Padres is that he got better. And then he got significantly worse, obviously, towards the second half of 2021 and then 2022. One of the worst qualified outfielders in terms of offense. Offense, not defense. If you heard the episode from the other day um, about his defense is certainly great. But let's look at this deadline, for example. Juan Soto, before the trade, had a WRC plus of 152, which is awesome, which is excellent. Um, he slashed 246 with a 408 on base and a 485 slugging. Had around 21 homers before he was traded to the Padres. And WRC Plus, just a reminder, good stat to say how much better. If you're at 100, that means you're kind of like a league average hitter. And then 105 means you're 5% better than league average hitter. It's a good stat to kind of take away all the fluff. Maybe you got unlucky. Maybe it's a weird ballpark or the ballpark is too good, right? And it's more hitter friendly. It kind of gives you a baseline number. After the trade, he went to a 130 WRC+, plus, which is still, for the record, excellent. Um, I don't think that captures the whole thing because Soto basically had those first two games when he walked a lot for the Padres, that first series with the Padres when they played the Rockies, and then he went into like a two-week slump. And then he turned it up at the end. So it was really weird, like this very peaks and valleys for Soto um, that the 130 doesn't capture fully. But also, by the way, 130 is still very good, even if it isn't the superhuman level that he was at before the trade and certainly in last year when he nearly won an MVP despite the team winning like 20 games in total right but then here are the more interesting ones Brandon Jury before the trade 274 335 520 slugging he was a home run machine is part of that because he played at Great American Ballpark yeah certainly certainly that had to do with it the Cincinnati Reds have one of the most hitter friendly ballparks in the in the in the game and then he had a 135 WRC+. plus. After the trade, 238, 290, 435, with only a 105 WRC+. plus. So still manageable, and a lot of that is because of the slugging. He did hit some homers for the Padres and some big extra base hits. But the batting average on base was dreadful, let me tell you. And then last but not least, or last and least, I should say, Josh Bell. 301, 384, 495 slash line with a 143 WRC plus. What did he do after the trade? 192. That's right, below 200. A 316 on base and a 271 slugging. That's good for a 79 WRC plus. Josh Bell went from being 43% better than the average major league hitter to, hold on, 21% worse than the major league average hitter. And this isn't the first time that this has happened to the Padres. Right, you have last year with Adam Frazier, who regressed from, you know, his 127 before being traded to an 86. Then you had, you could even argue that Mitch Moreland uh, for the Padres back in 2020, as being like kind of the DH that they were hoping to add some power. He was having a nice season. He got worse, or at least he got somewhat worse. I shouldn't say gigantically worse, but he got worse. If you want to go into the first baseman, Eric Hosmer, he basically didn't have a single good year for the Padres, and he got worse once he got there. You can look at a whole bunch of players. But I think that the Padres really do need to look into this. And the reason I say this as a question in terms of why do batters get worse, why that's a overall question they need to answer heading to the offseason is because I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that these players just weren't that good. Right? Aside from Soto, maybe it's that Josh Bell and Drury and Moreland and Frazier. Heck, you want to bring in Jake Marisnik? Sure, whatever you want to bring in. Maybe it's possible that these are just poor trades by A.J. Preller and that he should have expected some level of regression. That's totally cool. I understand that. 
even if it is a little bit annoying. I understand that though. Or is it hitting coaches, right? Is it hitting coaches that aren't doing the best for the Padres? That's totally possible too. Even though some of them have worked with Manny and whatnot in the past and he seems to like them, that's totally possible. Or is it that the Padres are getting the wrong type of players that don't fit well in their game plan or in Petco, right? Like that's totally possible too. Bottom line is they need to figure this out because I do think they need to add some offense. That's not a hot take. They're going to be adding some offense this offseason. The question is, you know, there's some recent articles saying Josh Bell, they'd be, you know, that could be an option. They re-sign him. You'd get him for not much. But they need to figure out why it is that the supplementary pieces around their big stars, like the Goober, like Manny, like Soto, seem to get drastically worse once they come to the Padres because I think that that's become a big issue for them. Where clearly they're great at acquiring the stars, but man, are they bad at acquiring those supplementary pieces. And this also continues on to pitching, right? This also continues on to pitching, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But before we talk about that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take a quick second to relax. Let me, uh, don't worry, by the way. Anyone watching the YouTube, I'm still drinking the Dodger Fan Tears. And before anyone makes any jokes about the Padres being eliminated, I don't care. I'm still drinking the tears. It kept me hydrated for weeks, let me tell you. Um, guys, I want to talk to you about Bet Online, the number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Because that's, you know, what we're in the thick of. I know the World Series is going on. They got that too. But you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including, obviously, baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, and they got esports stuff. They got everything. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Love bet online. You got to have love for them. You know what I mean? Who, who doesn't love a good wager? Even if it's not for money. Whatever it is. And let me tell you, I would bet, um, I think the Pelicans for the NBA, I think they might go, I think they're going to be pretty good. The Nets, yeah, if you did it already, I would hit that under. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's my hobby's pro tip for predictions from the NBA. Let's get into the next question, guys. And it has to do with pitching. And it's not the main course of pitching, right? It isn't the, the main starters and stuff. We'll get to that later. Next question is, will Nick Martinez opt out? Which is a lot more straightforward. Um, I think it's interesting, Nick Martinez, because every year, every damn year, you have these players that get really good in the playoffs. They were solid before, right? But then they just blow up in the postseason. I call it the Pablo Sandoval theory. And the Pablo Sandoval theory basically postulates that if a player who is a, a good player but then has an incredible postseason or postseasons, that they will probably get overpaid, right? And I'm not saying this as a sense to say, you know, the clutch doesn't exist and stuff like that, right? I think it's more complicated and that motive and that momentum doesn't exist. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that oftentimes we see that teams overvalue and probably put a little too many eggs in the basket of this guy was awesome in the playoffs. We're bringing him in. He figured it out. It's hard not to. I mean, it really is. In the case of Nick Martinez, he had a 0.82 ERA in the postseason, right? He was awesome. He was so awesome, in fact, that if you told me two years ago that the Padres would have Sean Manaya and Mike Clevenger on their team 
And we would be like, I want Nick Martinez to stay in the game, right? That Nick Martinez, who's absolutely floundered back in Texas to an ERA of, let's see here, it was over five back last time in 2017. If you told me that he was going to be the one that did not lose us that game, and he went three innings, strikeouts all abound, and didn't give up a hit, and that it was a mistake that they took him out for Sean Manaya, and it was a mistake that they started Clevenger, I would have called you crazy. But that's the reality we live in. It's a crazy world. And I think that with this Pablo Sandoval effect, I'm curious because I did change my horn on Nick Martinez very early. Actually, about a month before the season started, I started to say, you know what? He's back in the rotation guy. Maybe he's improved. Maybe the velo's up. Stuff like that. Maybe he can be decent. And he was pretty decent. And he especially found a role in the bullpen for the Padres. He seemed to be just significantly better. The changeup is absolutely incredible. Opponents are hitting, I believe, one... Not I believe. They're hitting 155 against it this past year. When you have that wipeout pitch like him and you can be a long-inning reliever, there's value in that. The one thing I did not like, though, and I still stand by this, is the contract he received. Four years, $25 million, with an opt-out in each season. So that means... If he came to the Padres this year and was awesome, he could just opt out. And if he was bad, he would just keep opting in and take up space and payroll and whatnot. That's what I didn't like about it, especially for a guy who hadn't pitched in the majors since 2017 and wasn't very successful the last time he was. It's not like this is 2012 and Johan Santana is trying to come back for the Mets and we're like, all right, we'll give him another shot. It's been a while, but he's Johan Santana, right? What a, what a sad decline for that guy's career, by the way. Um, I want to see what happens with him. I don't know if the Padres should re-sign him. I actually think the Padres have done quite a good job at procuring bullpen talent. Um, it especially turned out better in the second half. That's a lot thanks to guys like Garcia, guys like Robert Suarez, and of course Nick Martinez really filling in the hole there. But we keep saying this every year. Last year, people yelled and said that we got to bring back Melanson. They replace him with Garcia and Suarez, basically. Turns out great. And then they go get Josh Hader. Year before that... Kirby Yates gets hurt, and then they replace him with Trevor Rosenthal. Or wait, hold on. That's two years before that. Last year, it was, oh no, we lost Trevor Rosenthal to the A's. What do we do? They signed Mark Melanson, right? So the Padres have actually very low-key, and I think A.J. Preller and company deserve credit, been very good at, if they lose a bullpen arm, replacing that arm and doing pretty good with it, even if it gets bumpy at times. I think that's what you saw this year. If Nick Martinez gets a big offer from another team, if he opts out, we'll have to see that first. I would not be freaking out if the Pirates didn't get him. It does depend, though, on what they do with the rest of the rotation. Right, because Nick Martinez can be potentially a fifth starter. We saw him do it, not necessarily super effectively, but he can he can fill in the gaps there. And I think he can be electric if he's in the bullpen. Speaking of the rotation, that leads to my third question for the Padres offseason. Can the back end of the rotation get some help? I mean, somebody please get the back of there, right? The rotation, some help. I don't know what it is with the Padres. They cannot find average, you know, uh, uh, just Wade Miley. Like, they can't find a, a Zach Davies. They can't find a, a Domingo Herman. Like, those type of players who are going to give you innings. You know what I mean? Like, uh, who was who the guy on the, the Cardinals this year? I forgot his name. Um, the Cardinals had a couple of of starters this year that just got you through uh, Jose Quintana, right? I think the Padres really need to bolster the back of the rotation. And it's not, I've talked about before how I don't like it 
because again, I'm a very pretentious and smug son of a gun. I hate it when people say, we need a starter. We need a starter. We need a starter. We need an ace. It's like, yeah, every team needs an ace. Look at the postseason right now, right? Like it happens every year that we're like, oh man, you actually need a fourth starter. Of course you do, but that's just, it just ends up for whatever reason, not shaking out that way. I do not think the Padres need some sort of superstar ace, but I do think given that you Darvish will be a year older, given that Blake Snell is pretty inconsistent in the regular season so far with the Padres, even if he figures it out later, got to figure out something for that. Joe Musgrove is good, but I don't think he's like a true number one that if those guys flounder that he can carry you, right? So my thing is, Martin Perez, Jose Quintana, Tyler Anderson, Nate Evaldi, I think, is a free agent. Just decent, okay starting pitching at the end. I know that that's what they wanted to get out of Shadabadaya, who broke his, um, I think, his career's uh, limit in innings pitched last year, and then he had the most strikeouts ever that he had in his career. I get it. But that's what they really need to focus on. So everyone might be saying, go and get Rodon. I love Carlos Rodon. But he's also a health risk. And every team's going to be after that guy. I know Jacob deGrom's name will come up. I think the Mets are going to do everything they can to re-sign him. There's a lot of big pitchers out there. I imagine there's some out there that will pop up as trade candidates. But for me, get some decent help in the back of the rotation. Especially if Martinez isn't able to come back on a decent enough deal. That's just me. Um, I could be dead wrong. And Darvish next year could be just kaput. He could be done. Right, it's possible. But you saw this year he bounced back and he was excellent. He was super consistent. He is you Darvish and name value should carry you a little bit. And we should be like, you know what? I think he could pitch one more year for us. It'd be pretty effective. So we'll see how it all shakes down. But can they give the rotation some help in the back end? They haven't been able to do it for years now. They certainly couldn't do it in the collapse of 2021 when they had Jake Arietta and Vincent Velasquez starting games. Can they do it? for this next year when they're going to have a lot more momentum behind them because of what happened in the playoffs this year. I think that that's going to be very interesting to see for sure. The next one, uh, because I want it to be a little funny. Will anyone else in baseball try to get good players? That is my fourth question for the San Diego Padres offseason. And the reason I say that is because the Dodgers every damn year are getting and snatching up whoever the top free agent is on the market. Whether it is not even a free agent, but when they traded for Mookie Betts, when the next year they got Trevor Bauer and they re-signed, I believe, Justin Turner that offseason as well. I forgot. Okay. And, and don't get me wrong. I know I'm not talking about Bauer personal life and whatnot, but at the time he is the number one overall starting pitcher on the market. Probably, probably. And then Freddie Freeman hits the market and they sign him. And then Trey Turner gets traded like a the, the extra onion ring in your French fries order when they trade for Max Scherzer. Why is it that all these teams hate the San Diego Padres, man? You guys see us trying, and they're like, no, no, we're not going to try. Hey, Milwaukee Brewers, no, 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 we don't need a first baseman. No, 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 we don't, we don't need it. New York Yankees, they're like, ah, we don't need, we don't need a shortstop. Will you, will you, we'll run IKF in the playoffs. Yeah, saw how that turned out, right? All these teams, I would like it if just one time to make the Padres' life just a little bit easier that all these other teams that certainly could spend money would simply spend money. I'm very worried that the Dodgers are going to look at what happened in the offseason, or in the playoffs, and they're going to say, you know what? We, we, we want to get the best players. We're going to go out and get Correa and somehow 
I don't even know what they do with Trey Turner. But bottom line is, there's been rumors about Aaron Judge, and that scares me. Um, don't get me wrong, we could beat them any time of the playoffs, but it is annoying. And I think that one point to make about this question for the Padres that is basically about the Dodgers is, it is also true that it might not matter for the Padres if the Dodgers get better, because they might not be able to catch them regardless. That's totally possible. It's totally possible that the bottom line is they've got Freddie, they've got Betts, they'll have Bueller coming back next year, they have a ton of farm system talent, they know how to develop well, and it as a regular season team, they're incredible. So it is possible that this is a little bit of a moot question, right? Totally possible. As a result, I'll have for a little bit of a bonus question in a second. But it's still worth monitoring. I hope they don't get Aaron Judge. I hope they don't get more better players. Hopefully, just in general, the rest of the National League West won't get that much better. I am absolutely circling Arizona. I think that they have a lot of really great prospects with Corbin Carroll. I think Christian Walker is a stud. We talked about him before. They've got Cattell Marte. Maybe he has a bounce back season. Caleb Martin and then Zach Gallen. Like if they are able to bring in a little bit of a heavy hitter, I don't think they will just yet, but just hopefully make our lives easier. I don't want anyone going to the National League West. Now for a bonus question um, that I was probably going to spend an entire podcast on, but just as a second, I want to talk about it. What is the catching situation for the Padres heading into next season? What is going to happen with Luis Campizano? What is going to happen with Jorge Alfaro and Austin Nola? Are they finally going to give the reins to Luis Campizano, who's still a top-level prospect that they seem to hate? In the offseason, I will be very curious to see if they start giving um, Luis Campizano more reps the same way they did with Austin Nola to work with the starting pitchers and say, all right, you guys hate this dude for some reason when he catches for you, but figure it out. Because he has offensive upside. We need to figure this out. You figured it out with Nola. You can do it now. And don't overestimate what Austin Nola did in the playoffs. Please do not do that. I do not think he should be relied on as the future starting catcher for a team that wants to win a championship. That's just me, though. We'll talk about that more in the future. The last question. And you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. It's the event horizon. You know what I mean? You, you knew it was coming, but you couldn't stop it. <laughs> You know, you have, you have to talk about it. The goober. The merchant of malarkey. The sergeant of silliness. What in my brother in heaven is going to happen to Fernando Tatis Jr.? This is the number one question of the offseason, um, as far as I'm concerned. He got another surgery. He has the wrist thing. He has the shoulder thing. He got the shoulder thing. He's working on the wrist. And then, of course, you've got the fact that clearly has shown a lot of immaturity, clearly has been um, a liability when it comes to behavior and whatnot, not in a legal, legal sense, but just in terms of the PEDs, in terms of the surgery, in terms of just all these little things piling up. And everyone's wondering, what the heck, man? We gave this guy a 13 bajillion billion dollar contract and we traded for Juan Soto and the nightmare lineup. We didn't get to see it this year. But if they do get to see it, I don't think I have to really explain to Padres fans how good Fernando Tatis Jr. is, right? Tweet from Nick Lee. For three straight years now, the National League leader for F4 among position players has been a member of the San Diego Padres. 2020, it was Tatis with 3.3. In 2021, it was Tatis again with 7.3. And in 2022, Manny Machado with 7.4. Oh, and you bet your butts we're going to be talking about Manny Machado's MVP campaign soon on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. But if you have him, 
there is a possibility I could, like I see the numbers sometimes when I sleep, sometimes when I'm writing, sometimes when I'm doing regular work, sometimes when I'm drinking the Dodgers tears, sometimes when I'm playing Marvel Snap. For Christ's sake, I just see the numbers in my head. Machado, 5.5 F4. Juan Soto, 6.6. Fernando Tatis Jr., 6.2. You know, like, I see, like, a 15 wins out of three players in terms of F4. I see it. I see it so clearly. I see it. But there's so much other stuff here. Aside from all the off-field stuff and what have you, and I've said many times I call him the goober, because I do not hate Tatis. I think the idea of hating Tatis is a waste of time. I think you can be upset at him and call him a buffoon. But there are a lot of other athletes out there doing a whole lot worse. See the Brooklyn Nets, right? The I just mentioned earlier. It's like a kind of a waste of time to have your hatred towards Tatis. You can gay, ah, you stupid boo-boo. But for me, I just don't take PED usage as seriously in terms of like this giant crime that needs to be punished, right? But they do need to watch it, right? Because this is a big deal. And clearly he's had some sort of entitlement. And don't get me wrong, he's an excellent talent. So to a degree, I understand the entitlement. But he let down the team. I don't know with 100% certainty if they make the moves at the deadline, if they knew that Tatis wasn't coming back. Maybe that makes AJ probably a little, little uh, trigger shy, right? Maybe he's like... I don't want to do it anymore, actually. I really like the idea of Tatis and Soto and Manny. Totally possible, right? I think that the other thing that needs to be brought up here is will he be the same player? He's had a lot of injuries now. So on top of all the off-field stuff and the, the, the buffoonery, he's going to be coming back from a lot of injuries and nothing's a guarantee in baseball. If Tatis is still just a good player, by the way, if he's a guy who hits 260 with a 340 on base and hits 28 homers, right? That's still going to be really good. But that there is a downside there. I don't think that the talent is necessarily totally gone. But, I mean, it's fair to wonder. I mean, he's had the shoulder surgery. He's has the wrist thing. Like, how? what are we going to get out of him? And the other thing is going to be, also, where does he play? What position? You saw him be tried out in the outfield back in 2021 when they wanted to give him some rest because of the shoulder issue. Maybe they want to have Hassan Kim there. The guy was just nominated for a gold glove. And I know Tatis keeps saying he's a shortstop, but I don't know if he has much standing now to be able to demand and have the the capital, dare I say, to be able to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the shortstop and I don't care about Kim and whatever. I don't think he does because Kim was there. He was awesome this last season. And... Like I said, nominated for a gold glove. And who knows, maybe he gets a little bit better offensively. Maybe he makes some more improvements the same way he did this year. I don't know. I don't see that much upside in Hassan Kim's at, um, offense. But if he just becomes a little bit better, that's still an improvement. And clearly he has the motivation. The team loves him. Manny loves him so much. I love seeing the two of them interact. It, it really gets me emotional. I love it so much. Him smiling. I loved what he he uh, shouted at him in Korean with, I think it said, it translated to love you. Hasung or something like that. And I loved it so much. It got me so much. I love that. Hasung Kim has become so beloved that I really think that Tatis is going to have to earn that spot back. And at the minimum, he is going to probably start as like in, in the outfield. Maybe they put him at DH. It's going to depend on the rest of the roster, right? If they don't get a replacement first baseman for Bell leaving and they move Cronenworth there, then maybe both of them will play in the infield. 
Kim might play second, and then, you know, Tatis will play short, which I'm certain that Kim is capable of. But we'll see, right? There's a lot of questions to be had there. But, man, I am just saying I don't think it's smart to lock him in for another six-war season. I don't think it's smart to even lock him in for an all-star. Obviously, he has everything, but we've seen this happen before. It's baseball, guys, and guys can fall off in production plenty. Hey, Manny Machado. Manny Machado did have that one season for the Padres, certainly, where he was good but not great, right? Like, it's true. He was good, not great. He did still clock 30 homers, so I thought it was pretty hilarious that people called it, like, this massive disappointment of a first season in San Diego, and they said, oh, my God, it's only year one. But his first year with the Padres, I mean, 256, 334, 462 slugging, that's not terrible. If Tatis gives us something like that and can sharpen up the defense maybe, maybe he's a little bit more um, you know, disciplined in that area, not too many throwing errors, that's still huge for this team. Let me be very clear. But I think it should be pointed out that maybe we don't get that nightmare, oh my God, season from him. That makes it like, oh my God, the three of them offensively, like there's not many people that can match them. Right, like maybe just the Dodgers with the Betts, Turner, and Freeman trio, assuming they bring back Turner, it would be great. But I do think that overall next year I'd be careful with it. It's gonna be really fascinating, like to see all this. Like it really, really is. I don't know what the heck's gonna happen, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be wild, like to watch all this. It, it really is. I'm excited. You should be excited too. But oh my god, I mean, I'm gonna be watching this like a hawk, you know. The way I watch my Twitter notifications and who tweeted and the way I was, you know, saving my phone when I was waiting for a, a, an announcement from Nintendo, whatever. Bottom line, right? Like, it's going to be nuts. And this is what everyone's going to be talking about. How does he look in spring training? How does he look coming off the suspension? That's going to be the big thing. Um, and it's the number one question for the Padres this offseason. Bar none. Bar none. And it shouldn't surprise anyone that I'm saying that. And that's basically it, guys. If you want to read all my full thoughts uh, and whatnot and the, the silliness that I wrote about and will be writing about soon as I my next article for Just Baseball, it's probably going to be about Manny Machado's MVP season um, and whether or not he gets it, etc. That should be a lot of fun. Personally, yes, I absolutely do believe he should win the MVP. I did not realize the F4 thing that he led until recently. Um, I think Arenado has a case, but going to talk about the rest of it on a future episode. Also going to be doing player reviews and, you know, off-season breakdown news and stuff like that. Obviously, whenever it happens, you guys know where to keep it locked in. I know I've been a little bit inconsistent with the posting schedule lately, but don't worry. We are coming into a role, let me tell you guys. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about first base, catcher, the best moments, and Jackson Merrill. Jackson Merrill, some, pot, some prospect stuff with my buddy R.M. Layton. We're going to be talking about that soon, guys. But until next time... You've been listening to the Lockdown Padres podcast, ladies and gentlemen. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno. J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O at L-O underscore Padres. Lockdown Padres on YouTube. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Take care. Let's go. Let's go.